0: Related to all aspects of our divine faith, and you can review our schedule of upcoming events. We hope you can join us in person. Uh, We've been very blessed to have Monsignor Pope with us at the Institute, uh, serving as a spiritual father for a long time and uh, as a dear friend, and uh, always willing to hop into new projects. He was the first to lead us in our first full year long course on the Catechism, and uh, he was very gracious to. Uh, join us at this unexpected time. Uh, Monsignor, thank you for being with us, and uh, I'll hand the uh, webinar over to you at this point.
1: Yeah, I just came over from the church, and um, we, uh, we're we still <laughs> allowed to be out and about here in, in the D.C. area. I don't know how long that's going to last when I start to hear all these, what do you call them, kind of shelter-in-place things, but I, uh, I know that uh, today we had a, a good number of people who came through for Eucharistic Adoration, which I had going on in the church, and heard a lot of confessions. And so I'm so grateful to God's faithful. They are so faithful. And, um, this isn't an, an invitation to a holiday for most of them. They're, they're still coming by in smaller numbers as, as we, as is necessary. We can't let more than uh, 50 people in the church at a time, but they've been cycling through. And, uh, it's been, so I'm grateful, grateful to every one of you who have also then tuned in today. And, um, I see about 400 people, uh, listening in. And so let's, so let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we, um, we're all, we've all been living in the very proud West. We think that we're, we, at times, I think we thought we were invincible. I thought, we, I, I never thought it would ever come to this. I, I knew that maybe uh, something could have happened to us, but it was also theoretical. It's just that we, we turn these kinds of situations into adventure movies, and it's always solved in 90 minutes, and we say, well, thank God that doesn't really happen to us. But now, now in some ways it has. How serious this virus is, I don't know. But I know that um, we have increasing restrictions and um, we're, we feel a little bit lost right now, Lord. We feel we don't know when it will end. We don't know. We have no priest, prophet, or leader to tell us when all this will end. Only this much that uh, we need to turn to you and know that it's in your hands. And that, that alone has to now be the source of our peace. So keep us faithful. keep us focused on you and we'll be more peaceful. So in all these things, I, I pray them, Jesus, in your holy name, you who are Lord forever and ever. Amen. But yeah, it's really astonishing, you know, um, uh, two weeks ago, riding high, all the plans in place, doing this, doing that. And then um, here we are two weeks later, you know, nothing certain. So we're going to turn to the gospel today and, and um, we're going to try to stay focused uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that doesn't really address directly what we're going through, but indirectly it does. Um, the word of God is always right on time. It's the Gospel of the Blind Man, and if you just have your uh, the man born blind, and if you do have your Bibles, just go ahead and just open them to to um, the John chapter nine, so that we can follow along. But I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction to what we mean by Lexio Divina and how it um, how it works, so to speak, or what it is. And you know, and uh, most of you are familiar with it. I think it's been a, a common commonly known thing, uh, and anyone who comes to an ICC event is already above average, so uh, so you, you're probably aware of these things, but uh, John chapter 9, just have that open and set it over here for a moment. When we talk about Lectio Divina, literally means, as you know, divine reading. Hmm? It means that you're going to sit before the text of God, and you know, um, for all the academic descriptions of it, it could, I could give you, um, what you do is you say, be still, my soul, the God I love is about to speak to me. Be still my soul. Um, I'm about to hear a word from the God who loves me, a word that he himself has proclaimed. This is not any word. As St. Augustine says, the word of God, the Dei Verbum, he says, he says is a verbum nonas cumque verbum, said verbum spirans amorum, that it's not like any old word. It's a word that breathes forth love. So someone I love, the God I love, is about to speak to me and teach me. So I'm going to read it slowly meditatively reflectively i'm going to read certain parts of the text and stop and think and pray and um think just god you've said something to me. how do i apply that to my life what does it mean for me now here in these circumstances and so on and so that's the fundamental process it has four steps four steps lexio has reading reflecting responding and resting to use art i love my alliterations so but again, uh, reading, reflecting, responding, and resting. The old Latin words were lexio, meditatio, oratio, e contemplatio. Uh, but again, for us in the English-speaking world, those are words. So read it. But when it says read it, it doesn't mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the story. Okay, yeah, okay, fine, okay, we're done here. You know, stop. You're, you're going to read it slowly, reflectively when God says stop, stop. You know, you're going to let these words have real impact. So when it says read it, it doesn't just mean quickly scan the text. Um, and one of the problems, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a good problem to have. Most of us are familiar with the Bible stories, thanks be to God. And the danger of that, though, is that we say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah that one, I know that. And our mind is, just goes off somewhere else. Now, um, there's an old saying in the Latin fathers of the church that the word of God is non nova, said nove. It's not a new thing. But we need to read it newly, as if this is the first time I've ever seen this, and we're going to be astonished, you know, if we if we try to take a look at a text that way, right? Non nova, it's not a new thing. I've heard this text before, but I want to read it newly, in a new way. Okay, so with that in mind, with the first thing is read the text. See, now the second thing is to reflect. So usually, especially because this is a long text, and so I would say don't don't try to read the whole text all at once and then go back. You can, that's if you prefer. But I would say, read a certain number of lines and then stop and think. And we're gonna do some of this out loud today in this session, all right? So you read the text, you reflect. You, when when the Lord says stop, oh, you say, okay, that's something important. I gotta stop and think about this. What does it mean? What did it mean then? What does it mean now? And what does it mean for me? See, okay? So to read, to reflect, the word meditatio, hmm? okay? thinking through of the meaning of this text. Then we, we, um, we respond. We say, Lord, this text is telling me, for, for example, we're going to see here in a minute, that I'm born blind and I need, I need you to help me to see. So Lord, help me to remember that. I, I think I can just figure stuff out on my own. And my mind is, you know, I, I think I know a few things and I just do know a very few things. And so help me to realize that I was born blind, Lord, and I'm trying to get used to the light. See, so that'd be a kind of a way of praying Praying through a text, that we'll see in a minute, then rest in it. This is a time when you might just again just spend some time. The, the word here, contemplatio, where we stop the kind of active thinking about the text and we just sit here in the fact that I'm blind. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. See, I need you. Give me light. You know, we don't, lots, 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 lots of expansive thoughts or things like this. And so we just contemplation, if to use the old, distinction from the kind of the Carmelite tradition of the Trees of Avila and John of the Cross is where we move from words and pictures and images to simply heart to heart with God, heart speaking directly to heart. We rest in this word. You're the only one, Lord, who can help me see now. You're the only one. I, I'm just, I'm, my heart is resting in your heart. Please keep me there for a few minutes, Lord. See, so that's Lexio Divina. Now, we can't as a group do all of that well, we could, we could just sit here for about 10 minutes and just sit, uh, I could close my eyes and you could close your eyes. But in an online format, the contemplatio part might be a little bit uh, awkward and maybe not a good use of, of our time together. So maybe what I would propose we can do this morning is spend a little time with the Lectio and the Meditatio and maybe a little bit of a ratio together but I'm gonna to have to leave it to you to go back and, and when, we, when we log off and maybe spend a little time today whether right away, or later today saying, I got some important insights today in this reading, and now I need to I need to really pray and try to contemplate, okay? So um, if, if that's a good enough introduction to Lexio, I'd like to get into the gospel today. And like I said, it's a long gospel, so for me to read the whole thing and you'd sit there like this, your mind's going to—so I think what we should do is take it just a little bit point by point. Now, again, I love my alliterations, so I'm going to suggest to you that we have certain, I wanna just give you a quick preview of the structure, the way I've structured this reflection. There's a problem, so if you wanna write these words down, you can, if it's just, but just know this is where I'm thinking. So there's a problem that's presented. Namely, we're, we're born blind, right? There's a purification that is prescribed. So there's a problem that's presented. There's a purification that is prescribed. There's a perception that is at first partial a perception that is partial, a progress that he, that he makes through persecution. And finally, there is this, this beautiful culmination, the perfection that's portrayed, all right? Now, I'll restate these as we kind of go through the sections, right? If you didn't write all that down, and the goal isn't for you to write everything down. The goal is let's pray this text together, see? All right. Now, first of all, as this gospel opens, we're in John chapter 9, and we're in verse 1. Now, I'm reading from the translation we had from the uh, lectionary in the, in the Roman rite of the church. I know some of you are in the Eastern rites and so on. so But I'm, our lectionary from the church that we use in the Roman rite. All right? So there's a problem that's presented. Um, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, his disciples said, Rabbi, who, who uh, sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is still day. Now, night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, because we're online and so on, I can't go through all these elements with you in this little section. I'm going to pick one of them. And that's really a good idea for you, too. Something when you read through a, little, a couple of lines like that will say, oh, I need to talk about that. I need to stay there. And you might not be able to figure out every other little piece of the puzzle. That's maybe not the goal in Lexio, right? So I don't want to get into the question of uh, this question of what, who, who sinned this man. Or what, what, there is a, certainly a paradox, isn't there? Neither he nor his parents sinned, but I want the works of God to shine forth, to become visible in this man born blind. And so the, there is a paradox there, right? Just to kind of note that God uses a blind man to make his works visible, okay? So you could take an element like that and say, wow, God works often in the paradoxes of my life, things that don't add up, that don't make sense, like what we're going through now, um, to manifest important things to me, see? Um, So that might be an avenue you would go, right, Um, if that hits you, right? Um, You might also then notice, again, this, this sort of tendency to think that people who suffer uh, must have sinned in a way that other people didn't, you know, sometimes people take up that attitude and we need to see that Jesus kind of rejects that, right? I mean, he suffered more than anyone. He never sinned. So, so you see, but again, you might spend time on that, but what I want to simply spend time on was Jesus passed by and saw a man blind from birth, full stop. And I'm doing my lexio. God says, stop right there. Charles Pope, he called me Carlito. Carlito, that's you. You are blind from birth. You and I, brothers and sisters, you know, as, my, as I meditated on this, when we are born, we're born with original sin. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. They had conversations with him, but they, they sinned and they lost their ability to tolerate the presence of God. And so God had to withdraw from them from a dis, to a distance. And we can't see God. We can't see God. We're blind. And we need this anointing from the Lord Jesus. We need this baptism to begin to give us back our sight. So, you know, there are things said in Scripture about us before our baptism that are very st- stark. You were dead in your sins. This text is saying you were blind from birth. Blind, couldn't see a thing. That's how we're born. This is why we need the Lord. So we spend time here. Now, again, there's different ways that we're blind. Now, look, God is more present to you and me than than we are to ourselves, and yet we don't see him and we see everything else. <laughs> That's pretty blind, see? We can't see him who is more present to us than we are to our very self. We can't see him, and we were made to see him. You have an infinite longing in your heart to see God, and yet you can't see him. We're in a desperate situation. We are the man, the woman born blind, okay? This is us. This isn't just some guy that lived 2,000 years ago. So you see, this is where we start with Lexio. This is not just about somebody 2,000 years ago. This is me. I'm in the story. Okay? Now, with that in mind, there's other ways that I think we also lack vision, just to maybe mention in passing. But you might want to say, how do I lack vision? Not just not that I can't see God, but maybe I, I, I can't see God, because, but I also I can't see the meaning or the purpose of my life. I can't see past my suffering. I, 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 can't, I can't see beyond the world and all of its distractions, all the, glitter, the glittering lights and stuff blind me to see spiritual things. Uh, I'm impatient. I, I, I don't have any attention span because if things aren't lighting up and moving quickly, uh, uh, so I'm blind to spiritual things. See How are you blind? It's not just that we don't see God. We, don't, we often miss each other's dignity. We miss the dignity of the poor and the suffering. We miss the dignity of the child in the womb. We miss the dignity of every so you see there are so many ways that we're blind. See, and you can just park here for three months and just meditate on this line. There was a man, there was a man blind from birth. And Jesus passed by and saw him. So that's how this story opens, right? This um the problem that is presented. There's a man who is blind from birth. This is a birth defect. This is not something that, you know, maybe I, I, I was okay, I could see fine, and I got some cataracts, and I'll go see the eye doctor time. This is, this is a fundamental problem. All right, so having spent some time on that, we would read on in the text now. We move on to another section of the text. It says here there's a purification that is prescribed. Now, it says here, the text goes on to say, when Jesus had said this he had answered his disciples' questions, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went, he washed, and he came back able to see. Wow. Now, this is very important. This is... <laughs> This is baptism, y'all. I went, I washed, I came back able to see. This is the answer to the problem, right? The Lord says, here's the answer. Now, by the way, in the Eastern Church, they often refer to baptism not as baptism, but as enlightenment. Same sacrament, just by a different name, right? The Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, says, of baptism, this bath is called enlightenment, because those who receive this catechetical instruction are enlightened in their understanding, And having received baptism, the word, the true light that enlightens every man, uh, basically in effect lights up our minds. See, so we now start to see, and see differently. Okay, we're able to see. We'll look at that moment in a moment. But notice what's the answer to this man's blindness? All right. Now we can look at the 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 uh, the spittle and the uh, the clay and all of that um, that um, the Lord does here. There's almost a kind of a reworking, isn't there? Of the Genesis text, where God scooped clay from the earth and molded Adam and whoosh, breathed into him and he became a living being. So, but I, again, I can't deal with all these details with you. So I need to focus on one. And that's what you need to do in Lexio. This is not Bible study. This is Lexio. And Lexio says, look, um, what really strikes me now, I'm, since I'm leading this Lexio, what strikes me is he says, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, meaning scent. All right and so he went he washed and came back able to see now notice that word able to see is very important that phrase all right but you see here first of all baptism 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 go get this is an image he's pointing to baptism here now um baptism therefore is required for us in order to be able to see the kingdom of heaven so say jesus said to nicodemus Unless one be born by water and the Holy Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see again, right? Seed is more than just in my, my retina. It's not that kind of seeing. It's a spiritual seeing. And it's not just a seeing, but it's, um, it's, it's an experiencing, right? Okay. Now, he comes back able to see. We're going to see that this man is able to see, but he doesn't see Jesus yet. He, he's able to see. For example, I can see the Statue of Liberty. I mean, I'm able to see the Statue of Liberty, but I can't see it now because I'm nowhere nearby. You see, you see what I'm saying? Simply being able to see doesn't mean that you do see. Are you following me? So, again, these are the kinds of things which we want to um, sometimes focus on as we meditate on a text like this. Now, what would it take for me to go and see the Statue of Liberty? Well, I'm, I'm probably not allowed to do it right now by the government, <laughs> but I'd get on a train and go up there and have a look around. Uh, but you see the idea we have work to do as well in order to be. We're able to see now, but we don't always see the things of God clearly. Things don't always make immediate sense to us. You know, it's kind of like when you um, go out into a bright day, you know, it takes time to adjust to the light uh, or opposite. Sometimes when the lights go down, it takes us time to adjust to the darkness and to be able to see. So all of these are ways of saying that uh, there's a process involved in that. He's able to see, but he has to now undergo a kind of a process a process and we're going to see that he goes through some stages now as he comes to see who jesus is more clearly and you know how that process unfolds is largely through persecution people start asking him questions and say man what happened to you you're not the guy you're, yeah i'm the guy i'm the guy well how did you how did this happen to you well i am just I'm, you know. we're going to go through this in more detail but they, they kind of beat him up and then they say look man this happened on the sabbath we're taking you to the pharisees man you're going to, you're in trouble now Whoa, I just got my eyesight, and you're telling me I'm in trouble. And and they interrogate him, and you'll start to see that with all this suffering he goes through, he starts to see more clearly. You know, it takes the persecution or people asking you pointed questions. When people challenge our faith, it, it can be feel irksome, and we can get frustrated, but it's also an opportunity to say, hey, I better get an answer for this, and I can grow in my faith, see? And I start to see more clearly and understand more clearly. So let's start to look at the process. Um, we'll, we'll look here now in his perception. Now he's able to see. So we've seen again, if we want to just look at the problem that's presented, this guy's blind from birth. That's us. The purification that's prescribed, baptism, which makes us now, enlightens us and makes us able to see, right? But now begins, if you will, this perception, this process and, and, uh, and progress that we have to make uh, through persecution. So Notice again, his neighbors and his um, his neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, "Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg?" Some said it is, but others uh, others said, "No, he just looks like him." So again, these these people can see, right? <laughs> but they're all confused, right? They've been able to see all this time. They're still confused. All right. So you see, there's a lot of John loves irony, by the way, in John's gospel. John is a study in use the use of irony, right? Okay. Uh, no, he just looks like him. He said, but he said, no, I am. I am the one. So, uh, they, so they said to him, how are your eyes open? And he replied, notice how vague this is. The man they called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went there, I washed, and I'm able to see. And so they said to him, well, where is this? You know, where is he, namely Jesus? He said, I don't know. <laughs> now... <laughs> y'all look at this picture and tell me if that isn't true of an awful lot of Catholics. They've been baptized. They're able to see, but about all they know is there's some dude named Jesus and I had poor catechesis. I don't know much about him, but I'm told that he likes me or something. He loves me. He died for me somehow. I don't know. Where is he? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's what you might call vague. It's very, it's vague. It's not really, there's no real vision here yet. Right. There's a sense. I, I know what happened to me, but I I don't really know who he is or anything about him. And I don't where where is he? I? I don't know. Could you find him? No, I haven't got I haven't got a clue. You know, or could you could you find a Bible and tell me how many Gospels there are? I don't know. I think there's like maybe three. What? Maybe I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. You know. So that's how an awful lot of unfortunately an awful lot of uh, pew sitters. Um, if we're not careful, thank God they're at least pew sitting. But even you know we know a lot of unchurch Catholics. Um, they're sacramentalized but unevangelized. Okay. So this is a kind of a, word, a very initial phase here, okay? But at least he's beginning to reflect. They're saying, they're interrogating, they're asking him questions. at least he can say, Jesus. And he can say, uh, kind of, this is what I was told to do. And, but he doesn't really know much more about Jesus or where he is. Okay, so this is, therefore, the perception that starts out as partial, right? And again, if you were to then do lexio you would say, you would pray a little bit about this. Where am I? I mean, hopefully I'm not quite this vague, but can I say much more about Jesus than this man did? Do you have a testimony? Do you know what he's done in your life? Catholics are terrible at testimony. I've just been a Catholic all my life. I don't know well, who is Jesus. Well, he's the Lord. You know, we do catechetical answers, but I mean, honestly, who is Jesus Christ in your life? And you have a t- he, he's, he's my brother. He's my Lord. He saved me. I owe everything to them. I love him with all my heart. You know, we don't talk like that. Protestants talk like that, you know, and not all of them. Um, likewise, I, I, who's the father? I, he's, my, he's my father. He loves me. And I, I, just, I just I just, love the father. He's, he's, he's been so good to me. You know, can do we ever talk like that? See? So you see the idea, where are you? It's hopefully it's not quite this rudimentary, but where are you? Do, can you really give a good, clear, honest testimony to who Jesus Christ is and how he's changing your life? We can all give maybe creedal or catechetical answers if we're, because you all are above average at ICC, right? We do the gift, but you know that we never emphasize here simply the catechetical. We're looking for relationship. We're looking for transformation. We're looking for witnesses, not just information providers, right? You got to learn how to be a witness because you got to know what the Lord's done in your life and how you've been changed by it and then testify. That's a witness. Okay. I'm preaching. Well, I guess I am a preacher, is. Uh, Okay, all right. Now, um, so we're gonna move on because you know, I gotta keep my eye on the time here. We're almost already at a half hour. So I wanna continue to move through this. Um, notice again now he starts to make some progress though, and the progress comes largely through persecution and the fact that he's asked to make answers. All right, so you'll notice now the next line here says, um, so they brought the one who was blind to the Pharisees. Now, good neighbors don't do that. They don't turn you in. <laughs> because <laughs> he hasn't done anything wrong, right? But they, they, the problem was this healing took place on the Sabbath, as so we'll see. This, they brought the one who was blind, once blind, to the Pharisees. Now, Jesus had made the clay and opened his eyes on the Sabbath. So then the Pharisees asked him how he was able to see. And he said to them, You put clay in my eyes, I wash, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, this man is, this man, namely Jesus, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. And so they said to the blind man again, what do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. Okay. Again, a lot here. But um, you could focus on Sabbath rules or just not. But I think, again, we're trying to follow this man's journey, at least the way I've set up this lexio. All right. You'll notice that they kind of confront him. You know, how dare you get healed on the Sabbath? <laughs> <though>. Well, I, <laughs> I'll take it if, I if that's all I got, I'm going to take it. <laughs> all right. But on the other hand, uh, I think the thing to focus on here is again, and again, notice again the Joannine irony, just as a sidebar. Um, oh, these Pharisees can't see either. <laughs> they claim they think they know all this kind of stuff. It's a kind of an intellectual seeing, but they can't figure out is this guy from God or not? You know, he could heal. And, and a man born blind, that's pretty remarkable. You know, it's one thing to be an eye doctor, you know, invent some drops to get rid of cataracts. But this guy was blind from birth and he got healed. Now, this guy's, you know, ordinary guys don't do these kind of healings. Right. So but there's a division among them, which means they're, they're, they're struggling to see and to understand the meaning of this. Right. And um, so they, they now say to him once again, he says, what do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes?" Now, after all this, he's starting to think he's a prophet. He's a prophet. Now, again, remember, um, this, is a, this is progress, isn't it? This is not, we're not Lord and Messiah yet, but he, that dude they called Jesus, uh, where is he? I don't know. Th- that was really vague, right? Now, after this questioning, this, this persecution, he's getting clearer. Jesus is a prophet. He spoke a word to me. It wasn't just that he did something or I'm just somehow, he spoke a word and I obeyed that word and I got my eyesight back. He's a prophet. He, he speaks a word. Now, remember, God's word is not just any old word. It is uh, a transformative word. God's word, if, if we receive it in faith, has the power to change our life. The power to change our life. And uh, so he's already on to this fact that Jesus is a prophet. By the way, Jesus has three offices, priest, prophet, and king. Dr. Ralph Martin is getting ready to publish a book soon. He says, you know, we've really neglected Jesus' office as prophet, and this has affected preaching and how we, uh, too many priests just see themselves as sacramental functionaries, and they forgot they're also supposed to be prophets, and we need prophets today. So Dr. Martin has written this wonderful book, and I've been asked to review it and give a little galley, so just a little preview, it's coming out, but we need to recover this understanding that Jesus Christ is high priest, to be sure, but he's also prophet, and he's king and lord of my life, okay? All right. So he's made progress here. Now, let's continue on. Uh, remember, the Metata- you, know, we, you normally do this much more slowly. You, you know, we have to move along, though, A, a long text, and B, a limited amount of time. So now the Jews did not believe that the blind man had gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who gained his sight. So, you know, it's one thing for you to beat up on me, but when you start beating up on my family, now that's hurting. So they're going after this guy's parents now. See, the persecution has just upped. So they called the parents and they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age. He can speak for himself. Now his parents answered or said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone, anyone acknowledged the, the Christ, acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, would be expelled from the synagogue. Now, for this reason, his parents said he is of age. Question him. Now, just a quick Bible study note. You know, we live in a culture where if somebody throws throws you out of a church. Big whoop. Who cares? You know, I'm I'll go somewhere else. You know, that kind of an idea. But in those times, you know, the synagogue was really it was at the heart of the community. All your social connections, your ability to do business your ability to depend on people when you needed help, all that was tied to the synagogue. You get thrown out of the synagogue, you're on your own, man. You've got all your support systems just went zero. You know, just kind of like some of us are experiencing right now who are being increasingly isolated from one another. We have to reach out these other ways and it's hard, it hurts, it really hurts. Looking at an empty church this morning when I first opened and oh, little by little people came in and I was so relieved, but you know, we don't think like this today. We're the rugged individualist and so on. But this was not their world. So this is a big threat. This is not just, you know, big whoop, oh, throw me out of the city, go, go, just go, you know, that it doesn't that wasn't that way for them. OK, so this is a serious threat. See now, uh, again, as the as the um, the parents say, look, we're not wrong about this. Leave us alone. So they call now the, ba- the man again to give more testimony. We're going to see more progress now. So a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to them, give God the praise, which is a way of putting him under oath. It's an oath formula. OK, we know that this man is a sinner, namely Jesus. He re- and, G- and the man replied, if he's a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Right? Um, so they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them. I told you already, but you won't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And they ridiculed him and said, you are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke through Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said, that's that's what's so amazing that you don't know where he's from. Yet he opened my eyes. And we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if one is devout and does his will and he listens to him, it's unheard of that anyone ever opened up the eyes of a blind person, of a man born blind. If this, were, if this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, you were born totally in sin. and You're trying to teach us. And so they threw him out. So he's gone from saying there's some dude out there named Jesus. I don't know where he is. To he's a prophet. And now we say he's from God. He's from God. So you see he's, through this persecution, he's getting, getting a clearer and clearer picture of Christ. And uh, it's a remarkable, it's a, you see the growth that's happening in this man, right? Okay. Now, we come then to the final really stage, if you will, of this, uh, of this man's journey uh, to a, a kind of, I'm saying perfect faith, but I mean I mean that only in the qualified sense. He, he comes out to a pretty, a very full faith now in Christ. Um, So um, they threw him out of the synagogue. So this man is now on his own, and he's been expelled. And I could told you that's very serious persecution in that time, in that place. So it says here in the text, now when Jesus heard they'd thrown him out, he found him and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, well, who is he, sir, so that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord. And he worshiped him now this you see we've gone from some dude they call jesus i don't know where he is can't find him to he's a prophet he spoke a word and I was healed um to he's from heaven or he's he's a man from heaven to now he's lord and god he's to be worshipped he calls him lord which could just mean sir in that culture but he worships him proskunuon is the greek it means to fall down and worship. So again, um, look at his journey. You see this, right? So I've had to cover a long text with you. Usually Lectio Divina is better done in a short, you know, kind of pithy text. It's a longer one. But I tried to follow a kind of a thread. Now, the question for you and me is to pray about. So we're going we to go back and I'll conclude with some of this idea. But as we said, there is this in Lectio, we, we read the text. We try to go through this as much as i can in in, a, in an online session slowly <laughs> and meditatively we read it carefully we look for certain details and um there are there there are these uh, so one one of the by by the way a little hint what details to focus on one little hint for you is that whenever Jesus asks a question, stop and answer it. Don't wait for the blind man to answer it so did you notice there at the very end that jesus um jesus says um uh, do you believe in the son of man? You need to answer that question. I have a blog post. If you want to go to my blog at blog.adw.org. And I want to just say that um, 100, there's, you can look up 100 questions that Jesus asked. There are just 100 questions listed from the scriptures that Jesus asked. You can just take those questions and spend 30 years trying to answer them. So here you go when you're praying. Do you believe in the son of man? And remember, son of man is the high title Of Christ, even more than Son of God, which could be applied to angels or baptized people. Son of man, the high vision of Daniel, the one like a Son of man robed in glory at the Father's right hand. He, do you believe? Do you believe? I will tell you right now, brothers and sisters, I have had been rocked back on my heels like you have. I've had some anxious moments. And the only way I can find peace is to go sit in the chapel and say, Lord, I have to remember you're in charge. This is out of my hands now. I don't, frankly, trust a lot that our government officials have much wisdom. But Lord, they're in your hands, and that's that's why I'm trusting. I want you to guide them, Lord. I want you to help them to make prudent decisions that aren't too heavy-handed, but take the threat seriously. Lord, I can't tell the bishops what to do. I'm glad I don't have to make decisions. I just know it's all in your hands. Guide them. I can it's all I can do to get my peace back. I was very anxious. I was very tense, like a lot of people. I'm not worried about the virus. I'm worried about heavy-handed, crushing. You know of our of our social interactions and our economy and stuff that might come, but it's above my pay grade. Lord, you're in the boat. I think you're asleep back there. Would you please wake up? And like, but do do you believe in the Son of Man? And I'm not going to tell you all. I got it all down. There's no, no problem there. Follow my example. I'm just going to say we're all. These are the questions that you and I need to pray about. So meditate on that, then respond, pray to the Lord. I do believe Lord, but help my unbelief. You know, I have these anxious moments, these tense moments. I, I wake up, I don't know. I hear something on the news and I, I feel the fear go through me or whatever you might, whatever your situation, um, pray and talk to him and spend just some time and calm down and try to say, okay, this is helping me to get my faith back a little. I'm feeling a little bit better, Lord. Now let me stay in this moment of peace and tranquility, see? So that's an example of you could take one. Just as we start to wrap this up, I followed a certain thread with you about this man's journey. So the question to pray about it: Where are you in your journey? Is Jesus more than just some dude that you've heard about and you don't quite know where he is? Uh, is he a prophet who speaks a word that comforts you and you respect his word? If you met him personally, have you seen him? You know, where is he? Where are you in your journey? All right. So that's. Those are the things to think and pray about in a, in a text like this.
0: Thank you, Monsignor. We could conclude if we could receive your blessing. The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this presentation from the Institute of Catholic Culture. If you'd like to learn more about the mission of the Institute and how you may become a part of this important work, please visit our website at www.instituteofcatholicculture.org or call us at 540-635-7155. And may the glory of Christ Church be ever more manifest upon the earth. St. John the Evangelist, pray for us.